Welcome back, welcome back everybody to the IKP. Ready to pod, I'm ready to pod. Let's get it. So um we got a lot, we got we got some we got some some really interesting topics to get into. Uh despite not, you know, despite not having sports going on, basketball, the NBA playoffs, right now we would be in the Western Conference Finals somewhat. But I'm gonna talk about the future of the NBA. Um, and or, or what the NBA playoff might look at look like. There's been a lot of things and suggestions being thrown out there. I'm gonna tell you the ones I like. I'm gonna tell you the ones I don't like. I'm gonna tell you the ones uh, that uh, we we might need to consider on down the road possibility uh, or as a as a possibility as a new playoff format. We need we're gonna talk about that. Um, we're also gonna get into A B Antonio Brown Russell Wilson. There's some reports that Russell Wilson wants Antonio Brown to go to Seattle, to come to Seattle and play for the Seahawks. I'm going to tell you why. It may not be a bad idea. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into today's, let's get into today's episode. Uh, smooth, smooth, smooth trailing. Let's get it. Uh, I'll catch you guys after this quick break right after the intro. mentioned the IKP is back and back to business we're back um it's not like we left left but I know you guys have just been devoid of content and this is why I, I hope uh player representatives the player association for the NBA they get on one accord in baseball I know the CBA they're going through their little little differences right now and this is the last year of the CBA uh, of the players agreement system that baseball is going through right now. So this is a big time in baseball, but basketball need to really reel it in. And I'm going to tell and before I even get to that topic in the NBA, let's touch bases on Russell Wilson and, and Russell Wilson, the reports of Russell Wilson wanting Antonio Brown. Now in this podcast, I've been very vocal about uh, Antonio Brown and how I feel about Antonio Brown. He's, uh, he's, he, you know, you know how people say Diva a diva star receiver. Well, yes, Antonio's that Antonio Brown on the field product, production wise, he's he's great. He's a really good he's a really good football player. He's a really good wide receiver, and he put in his years in Pittsburgh when he was somewhat focused. He put up great numbers. But Antonio Brown, one could argue, and I'm that one that have made this argument. One one could argue Antonio Brown. He has too much baggage that come with him. And with the receiver, with the receiver position being such, um, it seems like you know. I don't know if you guys follow high school football, but I have a friend who follows high school football. Deeply, he. I mean, he, he he follows he he follows high school football deeply. He follows it deeply. I I mean, he follows it deeply, and he t- and he gives me intel, and he gives me some intel on certain players to look out for, and. 
One thing I can say is the kids are smarting up. The, 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 the teenagers that's in high school, that's in junior high, they are, they are becoming wiser because they, they, now with the, with the projection of football, the important, you know, the, the money-making positions in football, the, the positions that make the most money, that generate the most attention, that generate the most popularity, that the, the, the positions in football, those positions in football are the quarterback position or is the quarterback position and the receiver position. Kids are not playing running back these days. Kids are not playing running back these days. You look at a great state like California. California, uh, my friend told me this the other day. California has one great running back. California has one great running back. There's a multitude of receivers that are as good as that one running back. There's a multiple. There's a multitude of those, uh, of receivers in the state of California that are that are just like on the same level as that one great running back. And it seems like the the you know. The kid, the, the, like I said, teenagers are getting smarter, and what and what and mind you, what was every draft expert saying about this draft, this past draft that we just got that just got drafted? What were they saying about this draft? This the best receiver draft ever. This the best receiver draft ever. And hell, it probably will be. It probably will. It probably. I know. I see a couple. I see a couple. Uh, Pro Bowl type receivers in this draft class, given the offenses and and the teams that they play on. Um, so so you see the you see the trend of receivers, um, uh, a great receiver or not even a great one, but a good receiver. Um, that's not really that's typically not hard to find because nowadays in the draft just this past year you had four or five really good receivers and then after that fourth that that after that fourth or fifth receiver that's like really talented and special you still have receivers on the board that are talented and had the chance to be good depending on what 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 system you put them in what what system you put them in what coach they play for what quarterback is throwing the ball all of that taken taken into account Receivers are not that hard to find anymore. So and and it's a lot of good ones. It's a lot of good ones in high school football. It's a lot of good ones in the co- in college. And like I said, just this past year, what was all the draft experts saying? What, what what was the strength of this of this past draft? The tackle position and the receiver position. So it's it, it, you know and, and and now draft experts are saying. That next year's draft will be the best. The receivers coming out of next year's draft will be even better. And uh, you know, I, I see a couple of these guys in college. They're, they are remarkably good. So why why would why would Seattle want to take a chance on Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown didn't work out for Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown didn't work out for New England. Those are two. Those are two of the most I don't um, most structured franchises. Um, most organize, organized and winniest franchises in the league. Both franchises have um, they have this they have this culture. Excuse me, this culture about themselves. Mike Tomlin, the Steelers. They, they you know that still you know they they don't they don't they block out the distractions. Pittsburgh blocks out the distractions. New England, no nonsense, and blocks out the distractions in New England and, and led by Bill Belichick. They block out the distractions. So why would Antonio Brown work out in Seattle? Why, if he didn't work in Pittsburgh, if he didn't work in New England, those are two of the most buttoned-up franchise. Those are two of the most buttoned-up franchises in football. What makes you think he's gonna work out 
in Seattle. And I'm just gonna say, when you look at so the so the thought of Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and Pete Curl giving Antonio Brown a shot, just the thought of that is Russell Wilson. You know, I think uh, there you know there's been reports that he's a uh, changing his diet, changing his workout regimen due to the fact that the Seahawks, they're going to, I mean, it seems like that you would think Russell Wilson, a player of his, a quarterback of his caliber, he would have a lot of say-so in the offense. And I'm I'm sure he does, but it seems like they are, Seattle is going to give him like all of the leeway offensively. And you're going to see more, you're going to see Russell Wilson being more mobile and, and, you know, a lot of bootlegs and rolling out. This this type of addition, Antonio Brown, because if it's let's just say, let's just say, hypothetically, let's just say the Seahawks, they went on and say, we, we, we you know, we'll take on Antonio Brown. We'll take on the baggage, we'll take on the attitude, we'll take on everything. If we see him, because it's I, I, we don't I mean I, I mean at least me, the public don't can't really see if Antonio Brown's becoming, if he's changing his life. We can't see in the public eye if he's turning around his life. But let's just say Seattle takes a chance on him. In the NFL, you know, given Antonio Brown's actions the, you know, the past year and a half, the NFL will probably suspend him for, um, for a, length, a, a lengthy time period. I'm talking like six or more games. So I'm thinking more of a six, eight, or ten game suspension that he could possibly be facing. The Seahawks would be just fine. They have Russell Wilson. Uh, they play, yes, they play in a tough division, but they have Russell Wilson. They got a solid deep. They got they they added some pieces on defense. Uh, Pete Curl, great great coach. So they'll be fine. But they could use a guy like Antonio Brown down the stretch, going into December, going into January. You know. I, I, you know, according to my predictions, if my predictions turn out to be right or somewhat close, uh, then you, 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 you know, you're looking at, you know, that them weeks, them last, them, them last few weeks, them games against San Francisco and Arizona and the Rams, they're gonna matter. They're gonna count towards something or uh, something as big as a number one seed or number two seed or division crown, like similar to last year, where that, the last game literally. Depending, you know, Seattle would have won that game last year uh, in week 17. Seattle would have been, Seattle could have had an easier trip or, or an easier path to the conference title game if they would have won that game. So I think in spots like that, late in the year, December, January ish, type ish, Russell Wilson, Seattle could use a guy like Antonio Brown. Because look at Seattle last year, and I said this last, and I said this a couple weeks ago when I picked Seattle to win the to, to win the NFC West. I said Seattle, they beat San Francisco one time that, last year. The, the, the second time that they played, if it wasn't for the Seahawks taking an ill-advised delay of game, they probably score and win the last game of the season. So we're talking about Seattle having an easier path to the NFC Championship game. That, that that literally that's how they were clo- they were inches away from having an easier path to the NFC title game last year an easier path just inches away this Seattle team lost their running backs their defense was hit or miss this Seattle team is really good 
So and and that's also for people that question uh, my pick for Seattle. This Seattle team is really good. And Russell Wilson, of course, he's going to keep them afloat. Of course, they're going to win their team. They're going to win 10-plus games. But this can be the difference between Seattle getting bounced in the second round, in the divisional round, or Seattle possibly making a Super Bowl run. I feel like Antonio Brown could be that difference maker because we all know we don't question the talent. We don't question skills. We question uh, off the field and psychologically and mentally with Antonio Brown and his attitude. That's what we question. We don't question the difference maker he is on the field. We don't question how bona fide and how good he is uh, or, or, or receiver he is. We don't. We don't. We don't question it. So I think this could be a move that could that could tra- that can happen and. The Seahawks, this can this can this can formulate the Seahawks into a Super Bowl contender, and I think they are Super Bowl contender. But having another weapon on the outside for Russell Wilson to 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 play with that even that that exacerbates their chances even more. I feel like so that's how I feel about Antonio Brown. That's how I feel about Russell Wilson wanting Antonio Brown Seattle because I feel like you have a franchise quarterback. If you're a button-up franchise and your quarterback, you know, he shares and displays all those leadership qualities such, such as Russell Wilson does, why not take a chance on Antonio Brown? If, if it doesn't work out, you release him. It didn't work out, you'll still be fine. You'll still be a really good team. If he does work out, you know he's a difference maker on the, you know he's a difference maker on the field, and he can change a game. He's a difference maker. It's as simple as that. You cannot doubt the guy's skills. He's a difference maker. Um, so we just got to see if he turned around his life. <laughs> Simple as that. We just got to see if, if Antonio Brown turned around his life. If he hasn't turned around his life, hey, we don't know. But if he's turned around his life, and, you know, I can't see it in the public eye. The public eye can't see it. We can't see it. But if he's really turned around his life and psychologically he's there and mentally he's all in and he wants to play with Russell Wilson, why not? And I think, like I said, I think it helps. It, it boosts Seattle's chances at making a possible Super Bowl run, a deep playoff run. That's how I feel. <laughs> That's how I feel right there. Um, so I'm going to get in, you know, um, I'm gonna, we're going gonna to take a quick break. It's going to be a brief break. Trust me, I'm not going to go nowhere. Brief break. But we're going to talk about uh, John, J- we're going to talk about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, okay? I, I, I know, I'm about to go all in. Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. And a little bit about the match between, the golf match between, uh, you know, the two legendary golfers, Phil Mickerson, Tiger Woods, and the two legendary quarterbacks, one current, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. I'm going to talk about that, and I'm going to talk about Jim Harbaugh on, you know, after the quick break. Brief. <clears throat> Okay, so, mm, sorry. So, okay, 
um, the match, the match, the money making match that brought in a lot of views, a lot. The ratings were sky high. Uh, the match between Phil Mickelson and uh, and Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady and Tiger Woods. Phil and Peyton won. Um, but some takeaways that golf need. This is this is gonna be real brief. Some takeaways that golf need that that they, you know that, that they need that, that they could use to help golf the sport itself because the sport you know you want to be honest about the sport of golf because you want to be honest that like that sport it feels like the most exclusive sport it, 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 it in, in the it prob in the world probably it feels like the most exclusive sport uh you know like don't you know you know golf you know getting to country clubs and to golf Courses, nice ones at least, cost a lot of money. You know, certain golf courses don't like like Bill Gates gets rejected and denied into certain golf courses. So it feels like the most exclusive and isolated sport. But they need to add play. They need to add mics. Mic up the players. Let me hear what they're talking about. Because, I, you know, I saw the highlight. I didn't watch the whole thing. I wasn't going to do that. But I saw highlights of the match between Tiger Woods and, uh, and Brady and Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson and uh, Peyton Manning. And I like, the, I like the player involvement, the communication between the competitors. If they can like, really capture that in a competitive tournament, like in the in like in the PGA tour, if they can like, the, if they can capture that, some humor, some entertainment, yeah, thank yeah, more people will tune in, more people will tune in because we want to see personality. That's why. That's why. That's why a lot of Americans, a lot of people around the world, they gra- they gravitate to the NBA star because the usual NBA star. Gives us some personality where we can gravitate to, and they feel much more relatable. Instead of them feeling, instead of like the NBA player, I, I and I think I talk, I, I think I'm gonna talk about this soon. But the professional athlete is, I mean, as far as a male, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, be sexist. But as far as a male, because I saw, I saw, I, I've been seeing Garner Minshew's workout tape. I've seen a couple other athletes work out uh, like highlights or whatever they, or videos they put together, and they look different. Male athletes just look different. Pro, pro, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna just generalize it for male, but a professional athlete looks different. They just look different. I met Draymond Green before. He looks different. He looks different from the average guy. Gardner Minshew in that video that I saw, a couple other quarterbacks, we we look at these quarterbacks as average or below average quarterbacks, and they are they are built. They look like machines. Their arms are huge. So the so the average athlete or the average person, size wise, physically, can't relate. They just can't relate. To the pro to to pro athletes, but this is what makes the NBA. This is why people 
around the world, around the globe, gravitate to NBA stars. They show personality. And I think with players being mic'd up in golf, it'll show personality. And the, the sport won't seem as isolated and secluded and exclusive. Because it, 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 that's what it seems. That's, the sport just seems so secluded. It, it, it seems so secluded and isolated. So that's one takeaway. Uh, well, that's my takeaway from that. Now, let's get into Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Michigan, the president, the, the University of Michigan's president, <clears throat> and, and you're going to, for, 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 for all you haters out there, for Jim Harbaugh, I hope this segment, you just, you just take that, you, just, you stop drinking that haterade, you take off your you take off your ha- your hate cap. Take off that cap of yours. Stop hating. Stop drinking the put down place. Just simply place that haterade you've been drinking of, with Jim Hallball and just truly appreciate it. So the university the University of Michigan president, the president of the University of Michigan, first, let me let me be let me be clear. Michigan is a public university. It's a public university. And it's not an Ivy. But it is... Michigan is one of the better public universities in the country. Simple as that. It's one of the better universities in the country. And while uh, while I'm saying that, Michigan, the, 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 the school, the, like Michigan itself, um, yeah, they care about the athletics, but um, they also, like, they care about the books, too. Like, Ohio State, great football program. Great football program. I'm not saying Ohio State's a bad school. Great football program. They have a, they have, Ohio State has a powerhouse football program, if you want to be exact. They have a powerhouse football program. It, it's not in the status of Michigan as far as academics. It, it's just not. It's just not. And it probably won't ever be. But this is why I am, this is why I praise Jim Hallball so much. And I talk about Jim Hallball and his success at Michigan and his success at Stanford. Stanford is the West Coast Harvard. It's the West Coast Harvard. Stafford. It's hard, it's hard as hell to get kids in there. Trust me. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I just got done, like, this past school year. Like, this, this past year in 2019, I went through the whole college application, how lengthy you, it, it, it is. Trust me. I know. It's a headache. And just trying to just imagine a football coach trying to get certain players and certain guys into that into these upper echelon academic schools, extremely tough. And the you the president of Michigan, you know, before I even get into the the Jim Harbaugh, my Jim Harbaugh point, you know, he's gonna they 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 value the students. Obviously, it's a great university. And they value the education. But 
they also hear the they hear the cry or the voices of the students, and the students want football. And they said, oh, Michigan, they're going to try their best to play football. And Jim Harbaugh is, of course, right along with it. And they got some good news. That's good news for recruiting. So there's a video of Jim Harbaugh doing, um, he's doing like flips. He, he's, doing, he's, <laughs> he's doing flips. Love it. There, you know, there's this video. I think, it's v, I think you can find it on his Instagram or his Twitter. But he's doing, he's doing cartwheels. He's doing cartwheels because, you know, that's a good sign for recruits, for recruits. But, but, this goes to show you, this is another reason why I give so much praise to Jim Harbaugh. Because Michigan is a top-tier public university. Like, it's amongst, as far as public universities... It's amongst UCLA and Cal in Virginia. Those are the four schools. Those are like the top four public universities in the world. Look it up. Those are like the top four public. Those are the top four academic-wise. Top four. Those are like the top four public universities in, in, in the country. And it's hard as hell to get kids in there. And that's why you don't see UCLA winning a bunch of national titles. You don't see Cal winning a bunch of Pac-12 titles. This is why you don't see Virginia winning a bunch of ACC titles in football. It's hard as hell to get kids in there. But I look at a guy like Michigan. I look at a school like Michigan who Harbaugh has... He's like I, I I've, I've pointed this out a multitude of times. Brady Hoke at Michigan averaged six and a half wins. He averaged he averaged six and a half wins at Michigan. Was not successful, and I understand there's limitations because I'm talking about these I'm talking about these limitations as we speak, and I've been talking about these limitations, but. Jim Harbaugh turned around Michigan, came into Michigan, turned around Michigan, and they averaged nine and a half wins. They averaged nine and a half wins. And it is hard as hell to get into Michigan. And the fact that he's able to win nine and ten games in the same conference as Ohio State, in the same, he's in the, he, got, he has to play Ohio State every single year. The fact that he's that he's getting nine and ten wins, that's an that's a, that's that's a huge accomplish, accomplishment in itself. That's a huge accomplishment in itself. You know, I like Ryan Day, I like Ryan Day of Ohio State, but winning ten games at Ohio State, that's pretty much the standard, bro. That's the standard. That's the standard. Winning ten games at Ohio State is not as impressive as winning 10 games at Michigan. Simple as that. Ohio State is a, is a great football powerhouse. Great football powerhouse. But Ryan Day winning 10 games at Ohio State or 11 games at Ohio State, it doesn't, I don't think it nearly amounts to Hallball winning 10 or 11 games at Michigan. I don't. 
I look at I, I just you you can just look at the limitation the limitations that Michigan has. Just look at the limitations that Michigan that Michigan has to go through just to have success on the field. I don't think it's even close. I think Harbaugh winning 10, 11 games at Michigan is much more better than than Ryan Day winning 11 games. And that's no shot to Ryan Day because he's a great coach. He's a great coach. And he's done, obviously, nothing but win at Ohio State. But you can't even take it into account. What's a bigger accomplishment? Winning, winning, winning championships in L.A.? Winning games as a Laker? Or taking it, not even that, scratch that. Which, 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 what's better? The Dodgers winning 99 games? Or the Los Angeles Angels winning 90 games? Obvious. The Angels, the Los Angeles Angels winning 90 games. They have, so, they have, they have limitations. They have limitations. They're the second tier team in LA. They play in Anaheim. There's so many other limitations. You know, the salary cap, the Dodgers, and, you know, teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees have so much, you know, they, they make so much off their TV deals, especially the Yankees with yes. They make so much off their TV deal, they're able to, they, they're, they're almost, well, not almost, they are, that we've just seen it this past offseason. The Yankees was, was able to give Garrett Cole more money than anybody else. Because of the Yes Network and the money that they make. So the Yankees are able to afford, they're able to, they're able to waste a couple million dollars more than your average MLB team. Because of their TV deal. Because of their TV deal. And the Dodgers, they're able to pay players a little bit more than certain teams. So you winning 100 games with the Dodgers or winning 98 games with the Dodgers and uh, you take into account that a team like the Angels win 94 games, the Angels winning 94 games is much more impressive than the Dodgers winning 98 due to the limitations. And, and then people going to say, oh, Jim Harbaugh, he don't beat Ohio State. Bro, bro, listen, bro, 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 listen up. Who beats Ohio? Who else beats Ohio State outside of the SEC in Clemson? Who else beats Ohio State? I, I wait. I wait. I wait. Who else in college football beats Ohio State other than Clemson in Alabama occasionally? Who beats them? In Alabama, I think the last time Alabama Ohio State played, I think Ohio State won. So who beats Ohio State? In college football. Typically, it's usually Clemson or SEC team. So, when people say, oh, oh boy, he can't win the big one. He can't beat Ohio State. Bro, 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 bro. Ohio State is a football machine. They are a football factory. They are a top three program in college football today. They're a top three. They're a top. They are a top three program in college football today who else beats them other than Clemson and occasionally an SEC team who else beats them who else (laughs) who else
And then, like I said, I named the public schools, the top-tier public schools, like UCLA, Cal, and Virginia. How, how many... How, is you, did UCLA win nine games? Is, it, is Cal winning ten games? Is Virginia winning ten games? No. No. So this is why I give so much praise to Jim Harbaugh. He was winning ten. He was he was winning ten games at Stanford. How? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Ask Brian Shaw. Ask I mean, Brian. Ask David Shaw. How difficult it is to win games at Stanford due to the due to the academic limitations that Stanford um, they 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 take the academics seriously up there. Ask Coach Shaw how hard it is to win games in Stafford. How hard? There's been a, there's been a bunch and there's been a, a lot of good coaches that have coached at Stanford and they didn't win ten games on a yearly basis. They 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 didn't win ten games on a yearly. Didn't Bill didn't Bill Walsh Bill Walsh coached Stanford for a few years. He, he, he wasn't winning 10 games a year. He, he, he wasn't winning 10 games a year. Jim Harbaugh was. And, that, and, and that's why, I, you know, people say, he don't, he, he, he can't win the Big Ten. He, he, he can't win, he can't beat Ohio State. Bro, bro, <laughs> yo, only Dabo Sweeney and, and Nick Saban's beating Ohio State. Nobody else beating Ohio State. <laughs> nobody, else, nobody, nobody else beating Ohio State. And in the last few years, it's only been Clemson that's been that's been able to beat Ohio State so consistently. So who who who's beat Ohio State? Who who who's beat Ohio State? Jim Harbaugh has limitations. I take into account of his limitations and the fact that he's that he averages nine and a half wins and that he has two ten win seasons with Michigan. Uh, I find that to be a success, and I think they'd be pretty good this year if they play. I think they'd be. I think Michigan will win nine or ten games, just like. Just like they had been doing with Jim Harbaugh. I think they'll do that. I think they'll continue on that trend. So, I mean, what, why, why do we continue to hate on Jim Harbaugh? Why? Is he because he's difficult? Uh, I don't think he's difficult. I think, I think he's passionate. I think he's for the kid. Uh, why, do we continue, why, why do we continue to hate? So, put, you know, like I said, drop that hater raid. You know, stop sipping on that. Stop sipping on that haterade, and give and give Jim Harbaugh his credit where credit is due. Come on, and I'm using that the guy that gets credit. Like I say, I I I, I typically don't give out credit because I'm not Navy Federal, I'm not TD Bank, I'm not Chase. I don't give out credit. I just don't. That's just not me. But uh, stop. You know, put down. Let's put down that haterade. Put down that haterade for a sec for Jim Harbaugh, and let's acknowledge the limitations that he had at Michigan. And um, he still continues to get it done. He still wins nine, ten games on a yearly basis, people. Come on. Ooh, let's transition into a topic uh, that is really that's that's that needs to be brought up. The NBA. The NBA. Now I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna I'm gonna address Damian Leonard's comments. Uh, Cause I like Dame. I like Dame Dollar. I think he. I, I mean, he's one of the better point guards in the league. He's after Steph Curry. He's like right there. I mean, it's, you know, when it comes to Damian Lillard and point guards, I feel like he's right under Steph Curry. Uh, but Damian Lillard, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address his comments, 
And then I'm going to get into the NBA playoff landscape and what I think that should look like. I'm going to tell you what I think that should look like. Um, now, let's address Damian Leonard's comments. Now, he said, Damian Leonard, you know, basically came out and said, hey, uh, he told uh, he told Chris Haynes, he said, if Yahoo Sports, he said, uh, if Portland, he's not playing if Portland doesn't have an opportunity to make the playoffs. Paraphrase. That's what he said. He said he's not playing um, non-essential games if Portland does not have a chance to make the playoffs. And I agree with that. I have no problem with that at all. If you if the if if the NBA decides, hey, uh, the the non-playoff teams are gonna just they're just gonna play non-essential games just to work out the TV deals. I, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. But uh, and and I have no problem with Damian Leonard sitting out and not playing. I think Bradley Bill echoes some of the same sentiments where he's like, hey, I, you know, if it's if it's not essential, I'm not playing. And Understand it because both of those teams are right, like just right outside of the of the playoff picture. So I agree. I I I agree. Uh, I I agree with the move, and I, I don't have no problems with them saying that. Now, what I do need is for people that's no that's trying to include these other teams, and that's saying, well, the Wizards don't have a fair chance to make the play. The Blazers, they, the Blazers need a fair chance to make the playoffs. No, the hell they don't. No, the hell they don't. The Blazers are 29 and 37. So what's your best? And basically, what I've, I heard some ideas. I've heard some ideas from um, just, just from the media and just from, you know, throughout NBA circles. I've heard some ideas um, playing, you know, you're not so playing a game between. So say if Memphis, this, this is the idea. So say if Memphis and Portland played a game, they played a, they played a game. Memphis and Portland, whoever wins that game gets in, they, they win the eighth spot. So but what you're basically saying to Memphis and to Orlando that has the eighth spot, but more so Memphis because Memphis, they have really played hard throughout this entire season. So what you're saying to Memphis is despite you playing hard, despite you having a better record in Portland, despite you, you know, taking the season seriously, not saying that Portland didn't, but Memphis took the season seriously. They were locked in. This was a team. This is a Memphis Grizzlies team that um that a lot of people that they stuck up. A lot of people slept on them. I, I mean, just about everybody. Nobody had, and we knew John Morant was the real deal. I, at least I did. I like John Morant coming out of Murray, Murray State, Murray State. But people, we didn't see Memphis as a playoff team. And the fact that they are a eight, they're, they're the eighth seed, and yeah, they probably won't have, they probably won't stand a chance against the Lakers. They won't, they won't stand a chance. They probably get swept. But it's the mere fact that they played hard throughout the entire regular season. A young team played hard. They went out and compete. They went out and they they went out and competed every single night. And what you're basically saying, hey, if you lose this game, Portland gets your eighth spot that you worked very hard for. I I don't like the sound of that. I just don't like the sound of that. And then you're rewarding a Portland team. Yes, the yes the Grizzlies they're they're a little above they're a little below 500. The Grizzlies are 32 and 33. But look at the Portland Trailblazers. The Portland Trailblazers haven't won 30 games. They're 29 and 37. 
So I like Dame, and I understand where Damian Leonard is coming from. I understand it because uh, these players are taking a risk with playing and and definitely playing non-essential basketball, non-essential basketball games. And then you got to think you have to think of the fact that they have been on a what a two-month sort of hiatus. So it is some risk there, and the risks are high. And I understand uh, Damian Leonard in this point. But uh, the people that's the, the media or the, the NBA circles that's just throwing out the idea that the Wizards teams like the Wizards and the Blazers should have an opportunity to play a play-in game or to play a game where whoever wins get the ace. No, they should not. No, they should not. No, they should not. I don't. I and I feel like NBA, and this this leads to my next point uh, about what the NBA. So the NBA has proposed a multitude of ideas for how to finish off the season. They have proposed the one through sixteen playoff bracket, um, where it's a mix of Eastern Conference and Western Conference teams, which which. Which a lot of people, a lot of a lot of media, a, me, a lot of media, a lot of fans have been uh, have been granting. They they've been granting this one through sixteen. They've been granting this one through sixteen for a very long time, and it very well may be possible. And if you ask me, I think this is the best. This is the most efficient and best way for the NBA to carry on this season. A one through sixteen. A, a one through sixteen seed playoffs doesn't matter the conference. A one through sixteen seed playoffs, um, and I think so. You that that's been on the table. That's been discussed. Uh, I think if if you're, I, I, I'm with this as a media member. I'm with this as a podcast. I'm with this. I want this format. Then they've thrown out the twenty team uh, group format, similar to the World Cup. Once again, you're adding in teams that were that that weren't good this year. Quite frankly, you're adding in teams that weren't good this year. Um, it's bad enough that I mean we have to see Milwaukee. Uh, we got to see Milwaukee beat the crap out of Orlando. It's bad enough that we that we're gonna see that. But um, don't add teams like Charlotte and and, and Sacramento. Don't don't add those teams. Don't don't bring these. Please do not bring these teams to a distinct location, to one single location. So I, I, I don't like the 20-team uh, thing that the NBA, the 20-team group World Cup uh, sort of format, to, because that's what, it's, that's what it's similar to, the World Cup format tournament. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. And then it's the idea of bringing all 30 teams to one one distinct location, which is which will probably be Disney World uh, or Disneyland, um, they, 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 you know, bringing all of the, all of the league to one to, to 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 one location. No, please don't do that either. Don't 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 do that either. Don't don't bring one. Don't bring all of the teams there either. No. So I, I'm not with the 30 team. You know, 30 all 30 teams coming back and playing. I'm not with all 20 with some with 20 teams coming back and playing. Give me. Give me the one through sixteen, the one through sixteen playoff format, the one through sixteen seed playoff format, where the, the the matchups would currently be. Looking at the standings right now, the matchups would currently be the one seeded Bucks versus the sixteen seeded Magic, the two seeded Lakers versus the fifteen seeded Nets, 
Then you had the Raptors at third place um, playing against the 14th best team, which would be the Grizzlies. Then you have a Clippers-Mavericks matchup. Then you have a Celtics-76ers matchup. Nuggets, Pacers, Jazz, Rockets, and Heat Thunder as your eight and nine matchup. Give me that. Give me that format. Give these players. Give these teams. Uh, you, you know, let's cause cause this is another thing for the NBA. The NBA needs to come out like the NFL, and this is what I mean. The NFL. They I saw a report yesterday. The NFL said, hey, they want fans in the stadium. Now I don't know how realistic that is. I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't know how realistic that is, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to guess or guesstimate because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. So I'm not gonna try to. You know. You know. I'm not gonna give you the probability of NFL of fans possibly being in stadiums for the NFL season. But I do like the aggressiveness, and I do. And I've and I've been saying this for the past. I don't know since like March since we entered into this thing. I've been I've been um, constantly saying the NFL is doing a great job with keeping up, with being conservative, with being themselves, and I feel like the NBA needs to come out sooner or later because now NHL has spoken out and they have given their little format that they're gonna go, they're gonna roll with. I you know the NHL NHL it's more of a Canadian sport, not 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 it's more Canadian. But I like it. I, I like. I like. I like what is. I like where they're going with their with their format format that they have put out. I think the NBA needs to announce a a, a return date, and it seems like they're aiming for mid July. I've read. I you know there's. I, I've read multi, multiple reports that the NBA is aiming for mid July, but they have to officially. I need. I need the NBA to officially come out and say that. I mean the fans, the media. We need them to come out and say officially, our target date is mid July. That's what they need to do. That's what they need to do. So, the the target date. This is the, this is what the NBA needs to do. The target date is mid July. We're gonna be playing basketball. We're gonna try to resume play in mid to late July. So, in order for this, because the NBA, what the NBA don't want to do, which I've already said and mentioned when the what the NBA do, doesn't want to do is their season, their postseason go into the football season. You don't want that. You don't want that. So bring it so get a target date. And preferably that target date would probably have to be mid mid to late July. You set the target date. You give these teams, give all the teams in the league access to training facilities, to their training facilities. Let them train in their training facilities for, uh, and let these players get in game shape. Because, I, you know, I, I've been listening to some players uh, on, on different podcasts, on different interviews, and players saying we need at least two weeks to get in game shape. We need at least two weeks to get in game shape. That's that's consistently that's consistently what I keep hearing. We need two weeks to get in game shape. We need two weeks to get in game shape. So get them in game shape, and then you know. So I would say give the give the players, give the teams three to four weeks to get prepared for game shape. Get them in game shape and get them prepared for the playoffs. I know it's I know it may be difficult, and you know I've heard some players say it's really difficult to turn that clock go from. 
regular season basketball to postseason basketball. Um, but it's, you know, I don't know if you noticed, but it's been difficult on a lot, just about everybody in the country with this pandemic. So I, I understand the, you know, I understand the, 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 the health risk that is at that, at, at, at this juncture. I understand that you just can't go from regular season basketball to playoff basketball because it's a different atmosphere. It's a, I get it, but, um, it's a little difficult for everybody. It's difficult for everybody, okay? So they're going to have to get that through their heads. So, you know, in order to sort out that difficulty that they are possibly having, uh, to sort out that difficulty that they're possibly having, play a couple five-on-five five games, exhibitions, play, a, play some five-on-five five for a week or two, a week and a half, because you can, play, you can play five games in a week. There's seven days in a week. You can play five games in a week. Every other day you can play a game. So... Like like sort like sort this thing. Let's 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 think through this and let's sort this thing out. And you play five on five, and you get these players in game shape, and you get these players ready, and get them in back. You know, somewhat of a somewhat into a momentum into going into playoff basketball. Okay, so that's what I need the NBA to do. That 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 that's what they need to do, and that's what I need them to do. That's what I need them to do because um it doesn't matter. And like right like right now. You know, people talking about you know, ratings are gonna the, the ratings are gonna happen. Like the the NBA is gonna get its ratings. If the NBA said we're coming back mid to late July, I guarantee you they're gonna get their ratings because people are starving for content. And and this is why this another reason another thing. I want the NBA. We should. I think the NBA should get cameras in all of these playoff teams training camps. We should get cameras and live coverage to some of these training camps or to some of these training facilities. While these players are trying to get back into game shape as they're playing five-on-five exhibition, we should get live coverage. We need the NBA need to allow live coverage as these players are in the training facility because people, con- people want content. People want content. And any type of content that you put out, people will watch. Trust me. People will watch. People will watch. A NASCAR race got 600, got 6 million, had 6 million ratings. 6 million. 6 million viewers. Content. And there's not, and, and please don't tell me there's 6, there's 6 million diehard uh, NASCAR fans. They're not. It, it, they're, they're, they don't exist. It's about, it's more like three or four. So ratings. As you can get, you're gonna hit your ratings. You're gonna get your numbers. Numbers is not gonna be a problem. So get get give people the content. Content is dry. I don't know if you noticed. Content is dry. So give people content. If you get so that's what I'm saying. Give cameras, train and train facilities, live coverage and training facilities, so we can so content can get rolling. Because media need content. I'm gonna be honest. We, we need content. Media need content. Media the media needs content. I'm gonna be honest. We need content. I got I, you don't know you got, you guys don't understand how uh how I'm scratching and clawing for these topics. We, you, you know, we need content, give us the content and give give the consumer content as well. Get the consumer content as well. Please do. Please do. that's what I that's what I want the NBA to do. That that that's what they should do. Um after this quick break, we're going to go into Jerick Stidham. Uh, I'm going to talk about, a little bit about Jerick Stidham and Steph Curry. Uh so we're going to get into that after this quick break.
Okay, so <clears throat> I don't know. I, I you know I talked about second year quarterbacks uh, last week. I think yeah, I talked about second week quarterbacks last week or the week before last. I talked about second week second year quarterbacks, and uh, and I've been talking about the Patriots quite often this offseason with Brady's departure and what I think the Patriots' future or. As far as this season and what that looks like, I've been talking about that. I've been very vocal about that, and I, you know, I, you know, I put I put out my uh, predictions for them. I think they're going to be a seven win team, seven and nine, um, uh, maybe eight and eight. But I, I, I see and I feel more seven and nine ish about this team with the lack of uh, playmakers on the outside, but not just the lack of playmakers on the outside that I'm skeptical about. But they're expensive in certain spots. They're aging and older in certain spots. Um, and I do understand that Bill Belichick is a great football mind. He's probably the greatest football coach and mind of our time. I understand that. Oh, if our generation, he, I understand that. Um, I, I, you know, I get both of those things, and I get the legendary uh, Belichick. He's very legendary. He's a great coach, no doubt about it. It's a great coach. But is he sold on Jarek Stidham? Because, I, 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 you know, I, hear, I heard reports Stidham was po- supposed to be the starter. But I just know Belichick, whoever plays well in the training camp, whoever plays well in preseason will be the starter. And, I, you know, former New England Patriots players have came out and said they think Brian Hoyer is going to be the starter. I, to be honest, I know of Brian Hoyer, but if he was to walk through my door right now, I I, I wouldn't know who the hell I wouldn't know who the hell he was. I, I I wouldn't know who the hell he is. That's 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 just that's just me. So Jerk Stidham, I, I I understand. I don't know what this. I don't know who. We don't know what he can do. We don't know who and what Jerk Stidham can do and what he can be. We don't. But. I'm not gonna. This is no. This is no shot to Jarek Stidham. This is no shot because I don't. I don't like this New England offensive personnel to start out with. But I, you got to start with the quarterback position. Position. And so you guys remember what you know. You, I, I talk about this situation uh, quite often on this podcast. But you guys remember the year. The the year after Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. And he was really efficient. He was really effective. The year he, the year after he won the Super Bowl, don't you? You guys remember like Belichick raving about Garoppolo? If you don't remember, yeah, he was. He was raving about Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, and he was very high on Jimmy Garoppolo, and um, was damn near ready to give up on Tom Brady, and you know. Go right all in with Jimmy Garoppolo because he saw Jimmy Garoppolo as the appropriate successor to Tom Brady. Um, and as we all see, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, he's, he's had success. He's had a lot of success in San Francisco. He had, you know, his short playing days, his short playing time that he had in New England, he had success there. Um, so Garoppolo has been winning, and Garoppolo has proved to be a uh, not going to say a great quarterback, but he's proved to be a really good quarterback. He's proved to be a really good quarterback. So why hasn't I mean? And I don't I don't know. Maybe because due to the prac the lack of practice time. But why? Why? 
Why hasn't Belichick raved about Jarek Stidham? Actually, get this. Actually, Belichick wanted to keep Tom Brady. He wanted to retain Tom Brady. Brady and come and look at the year that Brady came off of. Brady, you know, and, and most people ask Brady. This was a one of his worst years. This is one of Brady's worst seasons. Um, and, and, you know, in his career, this is one of Brady's worst seasons in his career, and. Some people thought he wasn't efficient enough and, you know, his arm wasn't as strong, which is not the case. Uh, if you go look at some, go look at film, his arm was, it's still okay. It's arm is pretty good. And this, but given the fact that Brady was older, expensive, and not as efficient as he usually is, this coming off this past season, Belichick still wanted to retain Tom Brady, maybe because Jerick Stidham wasn't that good or is not as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe because Jerick Stidham, he thinks Jerick Stidham is not ready for this moment. Um, But look at this. Coming off of Brady, this is, this is one of Brady's worst, season in, worst seasons in years. And Belichick wanted to re-sign Tom Brady. He wanted to keep Brady, even though Brady was older, he was expensive. Eh, Brady, Belichick still wanted Brady. So what does this say about Jerick Stidham? And once again, this is no shot to Jerick Stidham. But what does this say about Jerick Stidham? Well, you remember what I said last week about Tyson Hill? Or Tyson Hill? I was like, well, Sean Payton has been raving about Tyson Hill. So, and, you know, I talked about how the media has just been, the, how, I talked about how the media has just been going crazy. I talked about how the media has just been going crazy about the fact that the Saints and, Drew, and the fact that Sean Payton came out and said, Taysom Hill is going to be our future quarterback. But I'm like, I mean, he's in practice, he, 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 he's in practice with, with he's in practice with Taysom Hill all year long. Sean Payton must know something that we don't. Sean Payton must know Taysom Hill can throw the ball. But I look at a guy like Taysom Hill, but I look at a guy like Jerick Stidham, Belichick hasn't raved about Stidham. Jake Belichick hasn't said anything about Stidham. And that's kind of, you know, it's kind of, it's like I keep hearing, oh, Stidham's the starter. Jerick Stidham's the starter. Jerick Stidham's the future. I keep hearing that. But um, Belichick never, like, clarifies that. Belichick never puts a stamp of approval on that. He, I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the, the waiting game. But this is also what I take out of this. The moment, the moment that Bobby Knight, Bobby Knight, great Indiana Hoosiers back college basketball coach, the, the moment that he thought his system was was on was much more valuable than actually recruiting good players. Bobby Knight went downhill. The moment that Co that Greg Popovich did not buy into Kawhi Leonard, Spurs went downhill, and the Spurs are no longer uh, uh they're no longer a topic in the Western Conference. Like we don't even talk about the Spurs no more. So the moment that Co so the moment that Greg Popovich did not buy into Kawhi and chose his quote-unquote system, which is nothing wrong with it. Bobby Knight and Greg Popovich are great coaches. 
But the moment they thought their system was better and uh, much and much more valuable than the actual star or the actual athlete, that's where they went downhill. But like, like you guys don't understand. That's where they went downhill. That's where those guys went downhill. Great, great. We don't talk about we don't talk about the Spurs no more. The Spurs are nowhere near the playoff picture. The Spurs are nowhere near the playoff picture. The Spurs are twelfth in the West, and they are irrelevant, and they have no young emerging star. And we do not talk about the Spurs. And you know, everybody talks about Belichick and how great he is. And yes, he's great. He is great. He is great. But when I do, I have to remind you that Belichick, um. He was 36 and 44 at Cleveland. His time in Cleveland, he was 36 and 44. Oh, oh, no. Who wins in Cleveland? Everybody loses in Cleveland. Okay. Everybody loses in Cleveland. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But I thought this was the great Bill Belichick. But oh, hold up, hold up. I got some more. I got some more. I have some more. I have some more. Belichick's record without Tom Brady, if you take away that, if, and, and we can add the Matt Castle season in there. But if you take away Belichick, if you take away Brady from New England, Belichick's record in New England before Brady was 5-13. He was 5-13 as a coach in New England with no Brady before Brady. So, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Bill's a bad coach. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. He's a great coach, obviously. He's a great coach. But even though Bill is smart and he's a he's an absolute football genius, he's not going to be able to overcome the lack of uh, he's not going to be able to overcome the lack of explosiveness that his offense does not have. He's not going to be able to overcome expensive older guys at certain positions. He's not going to be able to overcome. A quarterback that we have no idea about. He's not going to be able to overcome lack of playmakers on offense. Simple as that. It's as simple as that. And everybody likes going to Matt Castle here. He went to he meant ten and five Matt Castle. Um, ten and five Matt Castle. Matt Castle went ten and five with the same two thousand seven roster that Tom Brady went sixteen and zero with. Brady had 50 touchdowns. Matt Castle had 21. And they had the same rosters. So you cannot deny the talent of Tom Brady. And I'm not, you know, I think New England eventually had bounced back. If they had Belichick, eventually they had bounced back. But for the foreseeable future, as far as like this year, they're seven at they're seven and nineteen. They're seven and nineteen. And I know it's you know, I don't and I know Belichick's a great coach and he's a great mind, but people got to get their head. They got to wrap their hands around this thing. People got to put their minds into use. They got to put their minds into play. Belichick can't overcome weaknesses on the offense. He can't overcome expensive guys at certain positions. He can't overcome not having playmakers. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And then I throw out the 36 and 44 at Cleveland. The 36 and 44 record at Cleveland. Oh, no, nobody wins in Cleveland. No, nobody wins. That's, that's what you guys are saying. Nobody wins in Cleveland. 
Why are you bringing that plan up? I said, nobody wins in Cleveland. I said, I said, nobody wins in Cleveland. Okay, nobody wins in Cleveland. Okay. Well, before Brady got to New England, prior to Brady going to New England or, or becoming a Patriot, prior to that, Belichick is 5-13. and 13. He's 5-13. and 13. He's 5-13. and 13. So, okay, so. Don't don't you gonna tell me? Uh, no, who wins in New England? You gonna that's what you're gonna tell me next? You gonna tell me who wins New England? No, no. And, I, and Belichick's a great coach. Belichick's a great mind, but I don't think he's gonna be able to overcome this handicap that he has offensively. Just don't. They win some games. They win games, and they won't be like they won't be god awful. They they won't be the dumpster, but they'll be a seven and nine team. They'd be a little bit below 500. They'd be a little bit below average. Simple as that. Simple as that. And I don't know why people can't wrap their hands around this. Like I don't. I don't know what it is that people can't get. I don't. Cause, I don't know. Maybe because Belichick's a great. He's such a great mind. But uh, you're not gonna be able to. You're not gonna be able to overcome that offense, buddy. You're not. So um, one last thing I want to get into, and it's back to the NBA. I keep flip flopping. I you know I go from side to side. I go from league to league. But it's okay. We're going to close it out with this. And this is an athlete that I really like. I really like this athlete. I really like this basketball player. And uh, throughout the game, I don't think this type of, like these type of actions are talked about enough. I don't think these, I don't think these type of actions are, ta- are talked about nearly enough. I don't. I honestly don't. But uh, get this. Steph Curry, this is this is the this is the big headline or surrounding the Warriors and Giannis. This is the big headline uh, throughout the weekend, and it said Steph is the dominant. Steph is the dominant reason why Giannis is looking at GSW, the Golden State Warriors. Now you guys can probably go back. You 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 know I've I've said this on multiple occasions. Um, all throughout the summertime um, of last year, uh, leading up to the NBA season, and then when the Warriors players were hurt, uh, or when Steph or when Steph Curry got hurt and he was essentially out for the rest of the year, I basically told you what the Warriors should do. Uh, that has I, I, most of that what I've said um, throughout the throughout the last few months about the Warriors. It's it's practically happened, and now uh, I talked about a couple a couple months ago. I talked about uh, Giannis possibly leaving and going and going to the Warriors. Now uh, rumors are swirling. Now tension, you know, the the rumors get a little hot. You know, now people are listening. Now people now ears are buzzing. Now now people are listening. They wasn't listening when I was saying it, but now it's all over. It's 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 plastered everywhere, and now everybody is, is it's on it. But I've been talking about this thing for months now, and I don't think this often gets talked about enough. But um, this is the this would be the, this would be the second time that Steph Curry has or has been willing to fall back. Has been like he's literally been willing to take a step back as not being the first option in letting the superior athlete, physically superior athlete, be the guy and be the star. He did it with KD. 
He did it with KD, and now he's 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 gonna attempt to do it with Giannis. He has, this will be the second time that he has fallen back, and he has really valued winning. He's really valued winning over his brand, over his money, and over his role. He has valued winning. Cause we all, I mean, I don't think some people know. Cause I I've been hearing some of the media talk bad about Steph Curry, and I, I've been hearing some things. I've been hearing some things that 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 have not. I don't think they. They're, they're, I don't think they're correct. But 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 Steph Curry values winning. At the end of the day, he's gonna be a great winner. Steph Curry's gonna be. He's gonna be remembered as a good winner. He's a good shooter, a great shooter, the greatest shooter. But then then second, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, Curry can really shoot the ball. But then second, you're gonna be like, Curry won a lot. Curry was on the. Curry was on top a lot. And that is not valued enough. That is not valued enough. And it's like I said, and I said this with Kyrie um, once upon a time when Kyrie played with LeBron and Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland. I was like, Kyrie, um, you don't leave LeBron. You don't, it's a certain guy you don't leave. And KD, you know, I just couldn't wrap my hands around it, you know. It seemed like Curry had no beef with KD. Curry had no beef with KD. Curry... Um, he, he, you know, he let KD be the guy. He let, he let KD get the shine. KD had all the insecurities. KD, all, you know, he, he had all the insecurities and he was all locked up and had his panties in a bunch and he, and he flee for Brooklyn with Kyrie, uh, you know, the two, they, they, you know, the two this match, they correlate, they, they correlate. And I like Kyrie and I like KD, but, um, it's just certain guys you don't leave. And both of them have left really good situations. More so Kevin Durant. He, they have left really good situations, though. And, it's, and, and me personally, I, I don't know how you would leave and choose Kyrie over Steph. That's just me. Or choose the Brooklyn Nets over the Warriors. That's just me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you choose. I don't know how you choose these type of situations and put yourself in these type of situations. But um, that's just the fact of the matter. I just wouldn't leave certain guys. Certain guys, you can't leave. And get this: when 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 Steph when Steph took the back seat to to get, when when Steph took the back seat to KD and KD, you know, you know, he was a warrior. When KD was a warrior, you know that messed up Steph Under Armour's deal. You know that messed up his Under Armour deal. Like his shoes weren't selling as much. So like like once again, he puts his he puts his his own personal brand and bandana. On the back burner for the superior athlete, for the superior player, in order to win more, in order to win more championships. Like, literally, Under Armour was not, they were vocal about it. I mean, Under Armour was not happy with Steph Curry's sales. They weren't, because his first two, three years, his sales were really good. But when when he took a back seat and he was more like a, the he was more of the second option and Durant was like the man and had the mantle in Golden State, uh, you know, sh- shoes shoe sales went down and Under Armour was not pleased with that. Under Armour was not pleased with that and Steph didn't mind it. Didn't mind it. He didn't mind putting his brand on the back burner. He didn't mind you know losing a, a few sneaker sales. It was more than a few sneaker sales, but you get the point. He was eight. He, he put that. He put all that to the side. That's all personal brand and uh, you know my ego. Step with that to the back burner. 
And that is why I like guys like Steph. I always root for guys like Steph. And this is why, I, you know, I, I, I still like Steph. I think, I think Steph, um, you know, I, I didn't think he when, he, when he won those MVP, those back-to-back MVPs, and he had that, I mean, that tremendous 2016 year, I didn't think he was better than LeBron. I didn't think he was better than LeBron. But uh, I did understand his impact on the Warriors. I did understand his value on the Warriors. And now... I mean, he's even a better leader now, um, and just the fact that he's able to, he, he wants to take, he want like, he has no, he, he doesn't mind being or playing second fiddle to Giannis is good. That's great. That's amazing. That, that, that's amazing, and no wonder Giannis is interested, and no wonder the Warriors, they continue to have guys that want to play for them, and, you know, Durant, you know, Durant, Durant's kind of a different situation, but Durant, you know, yeah personality, you know, Durant's kind of, he, Durant kind of aloof, he kept, Durant's moody, so it's like, uh, whatever floats your boat, bro, go ahead, leave, but, um, you consistently see veterans and other players around the league gravitate to the Warriors culture, and some of that, well, so I, I can guarantee most of that, or some of that, a good portion of that, I would say, comes from Steph Curry. And his leadership. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Thank you guys for continuing to listen. Um, I am out of here. Uh, thank you guys for thank you guys for continuing to listen. Stream this podcast, whatever you stream it from, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts, um, any of those DSPs or podcasting or streaming apps that you use to uh, download this podcast, continue to do so, and I will catch you guys um, on the next episode of the IKP. IKP out. Always remember, two choices, one decision. I'm gone.